Welcome, folks, to this special edition of Back into the Fire. My name is Joe Till with my friend Andy Hayworth, and we just witnessed NWA history, the first pay-per-view into the fire. That's a pretty enthusiastic intro you had right oh, there. <laughs> I know. After having these few bourbons, I don't know how I had it in me. Making our way through the bottle of bourbon here, we're on the fifth floor of the uh, Marriott Courtyard overlooking downtown Atlanta traffic, yes. and we just spotted uh, Ricky Morton walking through the parking spotted lot. Spotted Ricky Morton. We, we've been basically stalking NWA talent throughout the night. Uh, hold on one second, folks. He's going to check the window right now. It's a car passing by, but uh, unfortunately, it wasn't Thunder Rosa. <laughs> We're literally in the shadow of the Georgia Public Broadcasting Facility here, and uh, it's been a good night. We've been at the pay-per-view. We've been down at the hotel bar hanging out with uh, Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton, man. And Aaron that? Stevens. Aaron Stevens. Saw Aaron Stevens. Saw uh, Stu Bennett down there. And we saw Eli Drake uh, hanging out in the uh, snack shelving area there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he was doing back He's there. very but. indecisive about his snacks. Uh, it took him a few minutes there to select his chosen uh snack so i don't know what did he end up getting did he get a i don't think he got it he was back there taking selfies or something something, i think oh okay okay. i I mean i don't know but it's a lot to choose from selfies with the checks mix huh yeah we've been to the pay-per-view or what i call the um atlanta uh area wrestling podcasters convention because i think about everybody there was a wrestling podcaster so if you're listening to us you probably have your own wrestling podcast you probably do (laughs) <laughs> and you're probably a lot more successful than us. So yeah, hey. as of this podcast. <laughs> we're coming at you, though. We're coming for you. That's right. We're uh, we're stepping things up a little bit here. Yeah, we're trying to. And I will say that we've worked our way through about two-thirds of a bottle of bourbon. So if we're incoherent, that's why. We talked to Ricky Morton, though. So we got that up on you. We talked to Ricky Morton, and, 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 and he actually showed us a picture of Jim Cornette at Bobby Eaton's uh, birthday party. Was yeah, it that's today? pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, was a, yeah birthday or, or appreciation event or something. Yeah, I think that's it was a Bobby Eaton a day of appreciation. That's correct. Yeah, one of Ricky Morton's comments. He's one of the, one of the hardest workers, one of the best workers in the, in the industry, right? Something like that. Yeah. Hey, you know, speaking of the rock and roll, we might as well go ahead and we had predicted the last time we did a podcast that these guys were not going to retain the belts and they did they did they did great actually it was a they really good great. match i thought they looked a little better than when they actually won the belts Absolutely. as a matter of fact um i guess you could say a lot of the predictions that we made really didn't end up happening the way we <laughs> thought they would happen which well, uh, you know to the credit of the nwa good for them for you know sort of yeah. you know keeping keeping us on our toes but uh what did you think of that studio wrestling environment? That was a little unusual. I loved it, man. It, it, like I think my comment to you when we sat down was like, this is like wrestling in your living room. It's an extremely intimate venue. Yeah. I think we counted there were probably about 250, 260 max. seats. And, and they weren't all filled. So No, you're probably looking at about 240 people in there. Um Acoustics were great in there. It sounded great, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 falls on the mat were great. Um, everything, you know. You know, it's to sort of paint a picture 
for anybody who's wondering, what you see on TV, when you see the crowd, that is the only seating for the crowd right. Right, is right there, just one side. It's a very small amount of seating, and we're, you're very close to the ring no matter where you are, essentially. Yeah. It, you're right up against the wall, essentially. They use right. every bit of space in that studio. Right. And um, you're right. It was The lighting was perfect in there. The sound was perfect. Um, a couple of times we had some awkward moments of silence while they were running some video packages, but, um, you know, we couldn't hear the commentary, but we could hear Dave, uh, Dave Marquez, Marquez. Yeah. yeah, Who was a really funny guy, by the way. Yeah. He did uh, some good, uh, warming up with the crowd, you know, beforehand, uh, trying to fill in some of those empty seats. So it looked better on, on the pay-per-view cracked a few jokes with us. The action that was pretty good. I'm not going to say it was the best, you know, wrestling I've ever seen. Some of the finishes were a little questionable, but we'll Definitely. talk about that. For sure. It, the, the action, I think somebody on Twitter has already sort of described it fairly accurately. They said it was sort of like an episode of NWA Power, but maybe a, a little bit longer. Uh, we were in there, started the matches at 6.05. I think we were in there about three hours total. Yeah, a little under, a little under three hours. Uh, they said three and a half. I don't think it, it went nearly no, that long. I don't um, think so. Unless you stayed around to get buy all the merch that was there. That's right. There, there was merchandise. A lot of the wrestlers were set up in the lobby of the uh, television yeah. production facility here. You saw the, the yeah. Rock and Roll Express were out there selling mm-hmm. their wares. Uh, Colt Cabana, Ricky Starks. After the show, we saw uh, Alice and Kay, Thunder Rosa, Marty Bell, Camille. Uh, the question mark was out there. It, it was really, you know, it was sort of like a little wrestling convention in, in the was. lobby, I guess. Really I've never been to one of those, so I'm not sure how that works. But uh, we took some photos. We didn't we didn't buy anything. Um, and if the podcast sounds a little different, this is the first time we've actually recorded face-to-face in person we're normally recording remotely from south carolina to delaware yeah. so uh so we're here we're here on the scene and we've had a good night and uh just going to talk through some of these matches that we witnessed yeah one of the top matches i guess was the preliminary match was eli drake and uh Mr. Anderson, uh, Ken Anderson, I believe is his That was easily the best uh, match of the night, or I thought. It was a very solid match. It was a very modern match, I thought. Yeah, solid, um, uh, technically sound, uh, a lot of, not a lot of missed moves. Gosh, I don't know if there's a lot of negative to say about it. The, the ending, of course, we saw uh, the pinfall by uh, Eli Drake yep. uh, coming off the uh, basically – preventing Anderson from um, doing like a flipping him into a pin off the rope. He just kind of basically sat down and, and locked him in to a pinfall right there in the corner. Right. It's a great match. Uh, Drake looked uh, fantastic out there. Uh, Anderson definitely sort of took the heel role in this. Yeah, the, uh, the, the crowd, fans were definitely yeah. pro Drake. Yeah, the fans didn't like him. They didn't like Anderson and, no. uh, and Drake won and, uh, and later, in, during the event, he was being interviewed, and Anderson came out and attacked him with a steel chair, and it, it really got vicious. And, I mean, there were chairs breaking and people getting rammed into ring posts and everything else. You know, thinking about it, you know how uh, Dusty Rhodes had his hard times interview, and Ric Flair talked about Space Mountain, but 
I think in the annals of wrestling history, we'll always remember Eli Drake's <laughs> forgetting to get your receipt at the gas pump interview there on the uh, NWA Into the Fire <laughs> pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, he's like, uh, you know, Anderson, you're not <laughs> Anderson, you just pumped my gas or whatever. And Ken Anderson came out Good and God, Ken Anderson it really it. laid him out. Yeah. Really. I mean, Set it, his gas tank on fire, essentially. I, they had some officials come out and uh, scrape uh, Eli Drake out of the ring. Of course, he's okay <laughs> because, like we said, he wandered we into the, the hotel yeah, lobby. So trying to figure out what sort of snack to get and. Uh, if we look back on the last episode that we recorded, I think we both predicted Eli Drake winning. Is that correct, I believe? Oh, God. I, I think if, we did. If you have the Google Doc there in front of you, I don't know. In fact, I do. Uh, actually, we split it. Huh. Uh, for some reason, I predicted uh, Anderson would win. Uh, yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. That one, was just a week ago. I can't remember me. anything. So. <laughs> Joe predicted Drake. I predicted Anderson. I don't know why we split that. Well, honestly, Anderson won in the end after he tried to behead Drake with a with a chair prop folding chair. That was, folks. I don't know. I don't want to try to spoil this for you, but right before that whole melee, they you could clearly see them bringing out that specific chair, to, special chair to use. Yeah. I don't know if that was just. A, I mean, basically, he took the folding chair and folded it over his head and then rammed him into a, the steel ring yeah. post. Then they brought the fight inside the ring, and he sort of did a, a Russian leg sweep. On, I believe that's the correct uh, terminology. Yeah. Sort of Russian leg swept him into this chair face first, and uh, it looked pretty bad. It did. It looked pretty bad. Uh, next match was one that we didn't predict because it wasn't on the card the last time we met. It was oh, yeah. Thunder Rosa versus the new uh, the new addition to the to the ladies matchup, Tasha Steele. Yeah, Tasha. <laughs> What'd you think of that one? Uh, Thunder Rosa continues to just be a torrent of hate and pain yeah. in her matches. I don't, I love what they're doing with her. That was a great um, match, actually. It was it really a very high-energy match. High-energy, uh, borderline squash match. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, her opponent, uh, Tasha Steeles, yep. didn't put up too much of a fight, um, and neither did Ash. Uh, what's her name? Ashlyn Vox. Well, the, the, what happened with this match was so. T- I mean, it was kind of a squash. Uh, Tasha Steele went down fairly easily. Um, Thunder Rosa sort of continued beating on her oh, when yeah. it was over. Ashley Vox ran in to try and help out, and Thunder Rosa. It appeared that she put her in some sort of move in which she did something. Bent her arm yeah. and her fingers back. And, she injured her basically. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Ashley Vox was supposed to be uh, teaming up with Allison Kay to go against Molina and Marty Bell and possibly Thunder Rosa. So they've, they changed the card at the last minute a little bit. I assume they did that to fit in uh, this new, uh, new, I guess, older wrestler. Folks, uh, we've been out of the wrestling business for 20 years. Yeah, so we're not going to lie. We don't know who a lot of these people are. We are the podcast for those of you who are like us and just getting back into this shit. Absolutely. Because ODB, which I found out is old dirty bitch. Okay. Back in action. Yeah. Um, now, this was the match. So, Allison Kay didn't have a partner <laughs> because Ashley Vox was injured. Right. And so, she came out solo, and then they introduced Melina. And right. Marty Bell. 
And then they introduced uh, ODB. And I had, I've never seen this lady before in my life. The crowd, about I'd say about half the crowd knew who she was. At least, yeah. I would say so. Not including us. She was she was fantastic. So yeah, came Allison, out with the flask. Yeah, Allison you know, K, ODB, alcoholic. they won this match. Yeah, one dirty bitch. Yeah, Allison K took care of business. Melina, not impressive. I'm no. not sure if she's, you know. Now Melina did not. She didn't put up a show at all for real injury or what. But she looks kind of tentative in there. Most of the action was uh, Marty Bell wrestling Allison K. Right. Uh, Melina came in a few times. It was mostly just sort of a you know a kick and punch kind of thing. Right. And then she tagged back out. Um, she didn't really execute any any moves. Certainly nothing of note. Yeah. Marty Bell took a lot of the heat. And, yeah. Uh, she did okay. She looked good in there. Yeah. Um, Allison K looked vicious. Uh, ODB was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of came in there and just, just you know. Flattened. Yeah, just just stomped everybody down. <laughs> Used so. her assets to. Correct. <laughs> to take out Marty Bell. Correct. Pretty much. Yeah. So, I mean, that match was interesting just because Melina just didn't seem to do anything. Uh, it, it, I, don't, I don't know what that was all about, but. I don't know. I think the I think the whole experience might have suffered a little. It, it just didn't feel like it had any depth to it. But right. but it was still a good match. Good match. I'm impressed by the women's division. The, the, the women, yeah, continue to look good. Yeah. Probably the most um, unimpressive match of the night: uh, Trevor Murdoch versus the Question Mark. Yeah. Um, we both love Trevor Murdoch here. We like um, Trevor. We're Trevor th- fans. Here. Yeah, we're definitely Trevor fans, and the Question Mark is. Is fun. He's entertaining. I, when we we made our predictions, I predicted the question mark would win. We split the uh, prediction. Yeah. Joe predicted Trevor, Trevor Murdoch would win, and it, l- it looked like Trevor Murdoch was going to maybe win, but so, they'd uh, give him a little push there. But but no, no. The question mark pulled a very questionable looking Mongrovian spear, and uh, with the help of excuse me, Aaron Stevens. Yes, um, correct. I did enjoy the, the the magic of the Mongrovian national anthem there at the beginning and, and the unfurling of the Mongrovian flag by his protege, Aaron Stevens. Yeah, we learned that the question mark is apparently uh, an a cappella superstar in his home country of Mongrovia. And right. I, I don't know how else to describe it as being some sort of ethnic throat music. Ethnic uh, throat music is a good description. It was a very harsh uh, anthem, to it's be like honest. Gargling with marbles, yeah. Yeah, with razor blades. Gargling yeah, with razor blades, maybe. maybe. more accurately, yeah. But, but anyway, Murdoch hardly had a chance. I, I mean, he there looked, was some good back he and forth. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he held his own, but, you know, the outside interference there. Uh, distracted him, uh, the Mongrovian spear, and that was it. I don't know how I feel about the the question mark, honestly. I mean, I, I you know, know, the crowd seems to still continue to yeah. love him. I was really rooting for Murdoch in this one, so. The uh, <laughs> the chops in that match were legendary. We, we actually saw the question mark at his merch table afterwards, and he <laughs> literally had Trevor Murdoch's handprint <laughs> on his chest. Absolutely. You could see every finger. <laughs> Those were some good chops. Yeah. Uh, those just reverberated through the arena or through the studio, rather. Oh yeah, 
Uh, they sounded great. There, there were a couple instances of that for sure. The ladies actually had some really great chops. They did, yeah. Uh, I, I was, I want to say it was the Thunder Rosa match. She Thunder Rosa, yeah, really was Laid hitting her hard. It, uh, yeah, steals there. Uh, kind of the interesting match of the night, I think. We both of us, along with the rest of the community, sort of thought that the Rock and Roll Express would lose these belts that they just obtained. I thought it was going to be short lived for Ricky and Robert, man. I really uh, did. I they know. came out and they made us believe once again. Yeah, man. Uh, went against the wild cards. We didn't see Outlaw Inc. or the Dawsons wrestle tonight. No, but they were there. They were ringside. there. They were dueling insurance policies on the outside. That's right. Uh, Outlaw Inc. supported rock and roll. The Dawsons supported the wild cards. It was kind of a chaotic match. I'm not even sure the legal. It, it was a I little chaotic there at the end. Uh, uh, kudos to the ref. There was one point where he refused to count a pinfall because the illegal men had come in on the side of the right the, uh, wild cards. So you don't see that too often. No. But. There was the really great moment where Robert Gibson sort of uh, opened the ropes and invited Ricky Morton to dive through them and land on the two wild cards Ricky outside Morton the ring. Diving through the ropes. Uh, yeah, Ricky Morton, I think he's probably in his 60s. He went through the ropes and he he made good contact with these two guys. You know, one of my pet peeves is I hate when guys dive out of the ring and knock over the opponents like a bunch of bowling pins. But I mean, he actually literally made contact and, and sort of moonsaulted these guys a little bit. So... Body press, maybe. I don't think you call that a moonsault. I hate it, but when you see a 60-year-old man doing it, you got to kind of love it, right? It was awesome. It was awesome. (laughs) And they won. They... uh I'm trying to remember how they won. Yeah, they got a pin. It was a legitimate pin. They it got was a legitimate pin. No shenanigans or anything. We saw the double drop kick the in double person. Double drop kick started to lead towards it. Um, there were some outside shenanigans by the Dawsons, but that was sort of canceled out, I believe, by the um, by Outlaw Inc. From what I remember. Yeah, I thought it was going to go a little bit different way because when the Rock and Roll went to do their sort of trademark. Uh, Irish whip both of the opponents into one another sort of move. Uh, there looked to be a bit of a miscommunication and during that particular move, but it didn't end up hurting them in the end. So the rock and roll retains the titles and uh, lives to see another day, man. That's right. The three-way match, Stroke Daddy, Starks <sighs> with Aaron Stevens and Colt Cabana, it was an entertaining match. Yeah, some of the things that they could clean up a little bit. One, it was sloppy. And I saw this uh, on an NXT match recently too. The fact that in a three-way, you could have one guy literally, yep, hide outside for a number of minutes without the referee taking any account, giving a damn, basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and basically letting a guy take a nap outside, rest up, and then jump back in at the last minute to make a pinfall. So there were basically two good wrestlers in this match. There were Colt Cabana and Starks were doing some really good high-energy wrestling. Uh, Aaron Stevens, who we both like, uh, I would say he spent 90% of this match in a fetal position underneath the Christmas, <laughs> underneath tree, the Christmas tree by the, the uh, by the color announcer's uh, booth over there. So, he really did. I mean, he literally did. And we're not even, like, exaggerating that. He got thrown out of the ring, and he 
crawled, you know, in a fetal, but he rolled across the floor of the studio and ended he up. Did. At, he literally rolled. He literally rolled. Like he was on fire, but slowly yeah, across the floor. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was watching the camera operator and the, the uh, production assistant that was pulling the uh, power cables and stuff around us. She was laughing her ass off watching this guy. Oh yeah. Stevens crawled underneath the Christmas tree. And I think at one point he was even under the little blanket underneath the tree. But uh, he's without a doubt the funniest guy <laughs> in wrestling right now. I really do believe that he could be. He won this match. Yeah. I don't know how he did it, but you know, I will say when he finally got from under the tree and it re-entered the ring this second time, I think it was toward the end of the match, he kind of turned into a man on fire and just really laid everybody out. It, he looked oh, yeah. kind of vicious, honestly. Uh, he looked good in there, but it, you have to wonder the whole time he spent laid out under the trees. So right. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, Cabana had some good moves. Starks yeah. had some Starks good moves. Had... They were kind of double crossing each other in the, in the ring. I enjoyed seeing that. Starks and Cabana are always pretty impressive. You know, honestly, I mean, Cabana's a big guy though. Starks is. is a tiny little guy. He's a scrawny guy. Right. Uh, they put on a good show. So they do. Um, and I believe it was Starks who put a, a finisher on Cabana there at the end. And then basically the question mark sort of held Starks from being able to cover Cabana and Stevens jumped in and made the pinfall there. At the yeah, end. there were shenanigans. Yeah. yeah, the question mark was outside and was uh, you know a menacing presence throughout. The sensei, that's the karate right. sensei. <laughs> uh, we came to the final match: Nick Aldis, James Storm. Aldis repeatedly said he didn't want his win to have any asterisks. Beside it, but I'm going to say oh, there were at least at least here. a couple asterisks tonight. Yeah. Um, earlier in the day, in the in the event, uh, Aldous came out for an interview with uh, Dave Marquez, and he talked a little smack. And uh, Storm came out, and I thought Storm actually gave the superior interview for sure. I mean, he sounded so authentic. He sounded fan- he sounded great up there. And I, I think I even kind of poked you and said, man, James Storm just did a really great interview up there. Yeah, the problem with Aldous, he, he basically gives the same interview every time about, you know, the the, the NWA and the, the power of the belt and the, you know, yeah. legendary status of the organization. It's right. Just, it's getting a little old. It's getting a little tired. It's very pretentious in a way. It is. It, James Storm just came out there. and he, I mean, I th- I thought I was listening to like Arn Anderson giving giving an interview or something. I mean, it had like that level of of grit and and determination to it. Yeah. Uh the match itself, uh three three fall match, uh two referees. Storm selected Brian Hebner to be the referee for the first uh, that was the first fall. Right. Uh we sort of predicted we'd see some Camille interference, and we did. Uh, Camille showed up looking yeah. uh, kind of interesting in a, a very tight snakeskin-looking snake uh, dress of some sort there. And she was all, out there all of about a minute and 10 seconds or so, I'd say. At, that, uh, at the most, uh, distracting Nick Aldis. Yes. Um, he basically stopped the match, gave her a lecture in front of the whole crowd. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. She looked hurt. She left at yep. his behest. And then uh, James Storm 
went on to basically um, smash his face in with a foot. Yeah, he super kicked him. Yeah, yeah, as soon as Nick Aldis turned around, uh, <laughs> he he was met by James Storm's foot. It was a beautiful super kick. It was. He went for the pin. He got the pin, and um, which makes you wonder if Camille. She may not have been there for uh, for Nick Aldis because she had the night off, but James Storm was apparently the one paying her, so right. uh, it was a trap of some sort. And then uh, James Storm had the upper hand for quite a while. Um, wouldn't let Nick Aldis back in the ring, and uh, the the referee who at that point was Tim Storm. Yep. I'd say he did an okay job. He really should have done a better job at getting the guys back into the ring, but... I don't know. Well, if he had done that, we wouldn't have seen uh, James Storm get Irish whipped into the Christmas tree. We would not have seen James Storm get Irish whipped <laughs> into a Christmas tree. Undoubtedly, probably the moment of the night, uh, for me at least. Yeah. I mean, but the crowd, I mean, the whole night we were thinking something would happen with the Christmas tree. And uh, sure enough, the crowd demanded that somebody yes. get thrown into the Christmas tree. And uh, sure enough, they yeah. obliged, and there was a reversal on the was Irish a reverse whip. whip. And uh, yep. first it was Nick, then James, and James was the victim. Went straight into the tree and knocked over all the uplights and everything. It right. was a huge mess. They had and a somehow produ- the tree stayed lit. I don't know. It was a pretty tough little tree. I mean, he was all there. he was all tangled up in Christmas tree lights for sure. Um, we didn't see. Any more of Camille, unfortunately. No. Uh, so I don't. You know, it's. Um, I guess she made the trip out from wherever just to come hang out, come make one yeah, tiny appearance like in this pay per view. Second pinfall was weak. Uh, yeah. As I remember, it's basically just. Uh, I don't even know if it was a small package. It was just sort of a. It was. A, a it started up. as a small package, and then it got reversed into yeah. another small package, and then. Um, of course, the the ending, the the clothesline on Hebner, screw job. Tim Storm comes in, doesn't know what to do. Should I referee? Hebner's basically dead on the side of the ring after getting clotheslined. This takes a little explanation. So the entire season of Into the Fire, they've shown the Tim Storm versus Nick Aldis match from episode one, when he goes to clothesline Tim Storm. Tim Storm ducks and he clotheslines Camille instead. So it, it, near the end of this uh, this match, the same thing happens, but he ends up clotheslining Brian Hebner, the referee. And Brian <laughs> Hebner lays unconscious on the apron of the ring for what seems like a really, really, really yeah, long time. He might have, it could have been a clothesline. It could have been a you know direct shot in the face with a load of buckshot it wouldn't have made any difference brian hebner would not have reacted any differently and hebner was the referee that was supposed to be in there because they made a big to-do about flipping a coin for who was going to referee the third fall so hebner gets knocked out he's the official referee uh tim storm comes in to pick up the slack so there's one asterisk against uh, against the Nick Aldis right. win because we we didn't have the legal referee in there. Not yeah, I don't know how this works. Somebody had to do it, I guess, or there would have just been two guys wrestling. Yeah, and no somebody official. had to do it. Um, Nick Aldis gets super kicked again. For some reason, James Storm doesn't go for the pin. There was a lot of that, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. 
I think your quote the other night was, well, there's the reason James Storm is not the champion because he doesn't know when to go for the pin when he has it. He has no idea what to do. Uh, Nick Aldis chews through the turnbuckle like George the Animal Steel over there and pulls it apart. uh, Yeah, that was an interesting twist, wasn't it? Yeah. He gets yanked back from the turnbuckle and you see the foam... And the outer protective cover for the turnbuckle fly back into the ring fairly and easily. It, yeah, and it it looked like well, I guess the impact or whatever did that. But nah. uh, the fact is, just this week on NXT, we mm-hmm. saw a ladies' match where one of the girls unlaced the turnbuckle and then slammed somebody's head into it's it. The exact same. Ending. It was the same ending here. Uh, it was suspect. It that's was a little. So that's another asterisk. So he has at least two asterisks <laughs> yeah. to his win. I mean, I don't know. It, it was a, it, the whole match might as well have not even existed because the whole match was overshadowed by what then happened. Nick Aldis, I believe, was being interviewed. Yeah. He was going through his boilerplate routine yes. about how important this win how is. Important we, we've it all is. done this, the et belt. Yeah, everybody can share in the victory. And by the way, there's nobody else who can challenge me. And then we get uh, who? Uh, well, the whole scene <laughs> turned into an NXT episode. The lights went down. Yeah. All these crazy lights started. Colored lights appeared in the ring. Menacing this music. Menacing dubstep music. And the villain, Marty Skrull. McFly. Marty oh, McFly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marty Skrull. I think that's his name. I believe you're right. Yeah, he was in Kingsman, the movie. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. He was a very short little... So it's like two little British... Two British guys. Nick yeah. Aldis is at least a couple... A foot or more taller Nick than Aldis, this Nick Aldis, who's probably about 250. And then Marty McSurl, who's maybe 190. We looked him up. He's a Ring of Honor guy, but the crowd loves this guy. Yeah, the crowd the popped. Crowd, the and crowd really popped, yeah. There seems to be when he stands toe to toe with Aldous, Aldous is hulking over this guy. Yeah, and they seem to have a little history, I guess, from a previous franchise from they were in. Crockett Cup bout that they faced. Apparently, off there in. was a Crockett Cup match. That's right. Which, <laughs> the villain Marty McSquirrel, McSurl. I'm sorry, Marty McFly. Marty yeah. McFly. Uh, <laughs> he gives a good interview, though. I was impressed by his mic he, skills. Yeah, he, he was a sharp looking dude. Honestly, yeah. he looks pretty cool. He's just kind of small. He is a little small guy. Yeah, to make sure it believable is. that he can go toe to toe with a with a guy like Aldis who looks like he's actually bulked up some. So, well, I mean, let's talk about Aldis because we were down and we were down just a few moments ago, actually talking about how we're not really that impressed with what Aldis has been doing. His matches, nah. they're not particularly dynamic. Not uh, dynamic. I feel like he misses some moves. There's um, some. There was, by the way, there was a lot of slop and a lot of the moves tonight. Yeah. Just not with Nick Aldis, but not with everybody. Connecting. There was a lot of like blows that yeah. weren't convincing. Looked like whatsoever. they were very like brushed by. I would yep. say. Yep. A um, couple of finishers. Uh, I kept pointing out a tombstone that Aldis did. That you know, it was obvious that he was you know trying to not drop the guy on his head. Right. So. It, it looks like they're playing it a little safe on some of these yeah, things. Yeah, it really does. They compared need to, to sort of get to the edge a little bit closer. Compared to the, um, you know, what I see in, in like an NXT or something. I mean, you know, overall, I thought it was a pretty fun event, though. Um, it was fun. It moved it fun. quickly. 
Uh, I can't say it was any, there were really too many boring parts to it. It, it was really lean. It was uh, it was all all killer, no filler. The crowd was engaged throughout. Uh, it was a good night, and uh, looking forward to seeing where they take this storyline with the villain. And uh, yeah, and of course, being there at the pay per view, we couldn't actually hear Stu uh, calling the match. No, we'll have to um, Stu Bennett. So we'll have yeah. to reserve our judgment on Stu until we hear the. Uh, the studio show, which there will be a new one coming up uh, this Tuesday. Yeah, hopefully. that's right. That's right. We'll have to. Uh, we'll be watching that, of course, and uh, hopefully we can find a little footage out. of the pay per view to to see what it actually looked like. That's right. Uh, I would, you know, talk about the seating in that thing. We actually got the exact seats we wanted, which was right up about middle of the way. Yeah, in we're the about very two. Middle. We, I'd say about two thirds of the way up. Yeah, uh, almost dead center. Great seats. I mean, every seat was good, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you could have a bad seat in that place. Very interesting experience, and um, I hope we can come down for the next one that they do, whenever that might be, or whatever that might be. Right. Um, it, it was just it's just an easy trip for us to make over here, and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to the next one. Absolutely. And we'll check out and see what uh, what power is up to on Tuesday here. And um, I guess we'll start the process over again next week. Right. And uh, any other thoughts we have, we'll relay them there uh, once we get to digest a little more of this. Absolutely. Until then, see you guys.